Chapter two of By Pike and Dyke A Tale of the Rise of the Dutch Republic. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. By Pike and Dyke by G. A. Henty. Chapter two Terrible News. A few days after Brill had been so boldly captured, Count Bossu advanced from Utrecht against it. The sea beggars, confident as they were as to their power of meeting the Spaniards on the seas, knew that on dry land they were no match for the well-trained pikemen. They therefore kept within the walls. A carpenter, however, belonging to the town, who had long been a secret partisan of the Prince of Orange, seized an axe, dashed into the water, and swam to the sluice and burst open the gates with a few sturdy blows. The sea poured in and speedily covered the land on the north side of the city. The Spaniards advanced along the dike to the southern gate, but the sea beggars had hastily moved most of the cannon on the wall to that point, and received the Spaniards with so hot a fire that they hesitated. In the meantime the Lord of Treilong and another officer had filled two boats with men, and rowed out to the ships that had brought the enemy, cut some adrift, and set others on fire. The Spaniards at the southern gate lost heart, they were exposed to a hot fire, which they were unable to return. On one side they saw the water rapidly rising above the level of the dike on which they stood, on the other they perceived their only means of retreat threatened. They turned, and in desperate haste retreated along the causeway now under water. In their haste many slipped off the road and were drowned. Others fell and were smothered in the water, and the rest succeeded in reaching such of the vessels as were still untouched, and with all speed returned to Utrecht. From the highest point of the masts to which they could climb, Captain Martin, Ned, and the crew watched the struggle. Ned had begged his father to let him go along the walls to the south gate to see the conflict, but Captain Martin refused. "'We know not what the upshot of the business may be,' he said. "'If the Spaniards, which is likely enough, take the place, they will slaughter all they meet, and will not trouble themselves with questioning any one whether he is a combatant or a spectator.' Besides, when they have once taken the town, they will question all here, and it would be well that I should be able to say that not only did we hold ourselves neutral in the affair, but that none of my equipage had set foot on shore to-day. Lastly, it is my purpose and hope, if the Spaniards capture the place, to take advantage of the fact that all will be absorbed in the work of plunder, and to slip my hawsers and make off. Wind and tide are both favorable, and doubtless the crews of their ships will, for the most part, land to take part in the sack as soon as the town is taken. However, as it turned out, there was no need of these precautions. The beggars were victorious and the Spaniards in full flight, and great was the rejoicing in Brill at this check which they had inflicted upon their oppressors. Bossu, retiring from Brill, took his way towards Rotterdam. He found its gates closed, the authorities refused to submit to his demands or to admit a garrison. They declared they were perfectly loyal, and needed no body of Spanish troops to keep them in order. Bossu requested permission for his troops to pass through the city without halting. This was granted by the magistrates on the condition that only a corporal's company should be admitted at a time. Bossu signed an agreement to this effect. But throughout the whole trouble the Spaniards never once respected the conditions they had made and sworn to with the inhabitants, and no sooner were the gates opened than the whole force rushed in, and the usual work of slaughter, atrocity, and plunder commenced. Within a few minutes four hundred citizens were murdered, and countless outrages and cruelties perpetrated upon the inhabitants. Captain Martin completed the discharging of his cargo two days after Bossu made his ineffectual attempt upon the town. 
a messenger had arrived that morning from flushing with news that as soon as the capture of brill had become known in that seaport the seigneur de herpt had excited the burghers to drive the small spanish garrison from the town scarcely had they done so when a large reinforcement of the enemy arrived before the walls having been dispatched there by alva to complete the fortress that had been commenced to secure the possession of this important port at the mouth of the western scheldt herpt persuaded the burghers that it was too late to draw back now they had done enough to draw the vengeance of the spaniards upon them their only hope now was to resist to the last a half-witted man in the crowd offered if any one would give him a pot of beer to ascend the ramparts and fire two pieces of artillery at the spanish ships the offer was accepted and the man ran up to the ramparts and discharged the guns a sudden panic seized the spaniards and the whole fleet sailed away at once in the direction of middleburg the governor of the island next day arrived at flushing and was at once admitted he called the citizens together to the market-place and there addressed them beseeching them to return to their allegiance assuring them that if they did so the king who was the best-natured prince in all christendom would forget and forgive their offences the effect of the governor's oratory was sadly marred by the interruptions of de herpt and his adherents who reminded the people of the fate that had befallen other towns that had revolted and scoffed at such good nature as the king displayed in the scores of executions daily taking place throughout the country the governor finding his efforts unavailing had left the town and as soon as he did so the messenger was sent off to brill saying that the inhabitants of flushing were willing to provide arms and ammunition if they would send them men experienced in partisan warfare two hundred of the beggars under the command of treilong accordingly started the next day for flushing the good venture threw off her hawsers from the wharf at about the same time that these were starting and for some time kept company with them did one ever see such a wild crew captain martin said shaking his head never i believe did such a party set out upon a warlike adventure the appearance of treilong's followers was indeed extraordinary every man was attired in the gorgeous vestments of the plundered churches in gold and embroidered cassocks glittering robes or the sombre cowls and garments of capuchin friars as they sailed along their wild sea-songs rose in the air mingled with shouts for vengeance on the spaniards and the papacy one would not think that this ribald crew could fight captain martin went on but there is no doubt they will do so they must not be blamed altogether they are half maddened by the miseries and cruelties endured by their friends and relations at the hands of the spaniards i knew that when at last the people rose the combat would be a terrible one and that they would answer cruelty by cruelty blood by blood the prince of orange as all men know is one of the most clement and gentle of rulers all his ordinances enjoin gentle treatment of prisoners and he has promised every one over and over again complete toleration in the exercise of religion but though he may forgive and forget the people will not it is the catholic church that has been their oppressor in its name tens of thousands have been murdered and i fear that the slaughter of those priests at brill is but the first of a series of bloody reprisals that will take place wherever the people get the upper hand a fresh instance of this was shown a few hours after the good venture put into flushing a ship arrived in port bringing with it pacheco the duke of alva's chief engineer an architect of the highest reputation he had been dispatched by the duke to take charge of the new works that the soldiers had been sent to execute and ignorant of what had taken place he landed at the port he was at once seized by the mob 
an officer willing to save his life took him from their hands and conducted him to the prison but the populace were clamorous for his blood and treslong was willing enough to satisfy them and to avenge upon alva's favorite officer the murder of his brother by alva's orders the unfortunate officer was therefore condemned to be hung and the sentence was carried into effect the same day a few days later an officer named zerarts arrived at flushing with a commission from the prince of orange as governor of the island of walcheren he was attended by a small body of french infantry and the force under his command speedily increased for as soon as it was known in england that brill and flushing had thrown off the authority of the spaniards volunteers from england began to arrive in considerable numbers to aid their fellow protestants in the struggle before them the good venture had stayed only a few hours in flushing in the present condition of affairs there was no chance of obtaining a cargo there and captain martin therefore thought it better not to waste time but to proceed at once to england in order to learn the intention of the merchants for whom he generally worked as to what could be done under the changed state of circumstances that had arisen every day brought news of the extension of the rising the spanish troops lay for the most part in flanders and effectually deterred the citizens of the flemish towns from revolting but throughout holland zeeland and friesland the flame of revolt spread rapidly the news that brill and flushing had thrown off the spanish yoke fired every heart it was the signal for which all had been so long waiting they knew how desperately spain would strive to regain her grip upon the netherlands how terrible would be her vengeance if she conquered but all felt that it was better to die sword in hand than to be murdered piecemeal and accordingly town after town rose expelled the authorities appointed by spain and the small spanish garrisons and in three months after the rising of brill the greater part of the maritime provinces were free some towns however still remained faithful to spain prominent among these was amsterdam a great trading city which feared the ruin that opposition to alva might bring upon it more than the shame of standing aloof when their fellow countrymen were fighting for freedom and the right to worship god in their own way on the twenty third of may louis of nassau with a body of troops from france captured the important town of mons by surprise but was at once beleaguered there by a spanish army in june the states of holland assembled at dort and formally renounced the authority of the duke of alva and declared the prince of orange the royally appointed stadtholder the only legal representative of the spanish crown in their country and in reply to an eloquent address of sante aldegondi the prince's representative voted a considerable sum of money for the payment of the army the prince was raising in germany on the nineteenth of june a serious misfortune befell the patriot cause a reinforcement of huguenot troops on the way to succor the garrison of mons were met and cut to pieces by the spaniards and count louis who had been led by the french king to expect ample succor and assistance from him was left to his fate on the seventh of july the prince of orange crossed the rhine with fourteen thousand foot and seven thousand horse he advanced but a short distance when the troops mutinied in consequence of their pay being in arrears and he was detained four weeks until the cities of holland guaranteed their payment for three months a few cities opened their gates to him but they were for the most part unimportant places and mechlin was the only large town that admitted his troops still he pressed on toward mons expecting daily to be joined by twelve thousand french infantry and three thousand cavalry under the command of admiral coligny 
the prince who seldom permitted himself to be sanguine believed that the goal of his hopes was reached and that he should now be able to drive the spaniards from the netherlands but as he was marching forward he received tidings that showed him that all his plans were shattered and that the prospects were darker than they had ever before been while the king of france had throughout been encouraging the revolted netherlanders and had authorized his minister to march with an army to their assistance he was preparing for a deed that would be the blackest in history were it not that its horrors are less appalling than those inflicted upon the captured cities of the netherlands by alva on st bartholomew's eve there was a general massacre of the protestants in paris followed by similar massacres throughout france the number of victims being variously estimated at from twenty-five to a hundred thousand protestant europe was filled with horror at this terrible crime philip of spain was filled with equal delight not only was the danger that seemed to threaten him in the netherlands at once and forever as he believed at an end but he saw in this destruction of the protestants of france a great step in the direction he had so much at heart the entire extirpation of heretics throughout europe he wrote letters of the warmest congratulation to the king of france with whom he had formerly been at enmity while the pope accompanied by his cardinals went to the church of st mark to render thanks to god for the grace thus singularly vouchsafed to the holy see and to all christendom to the prince of orange the news came as a thunderclap his troops wholly lost heart and refused to keep the field the prince himself almost lost his life at the hands of the mutineers and at last crossing the rhine he disbanded his army and went almost alone to holland to share the fate of the provinces that adhered to him he went there expecting and prepared to die there i will make my sepulchre was his expression in the letter in which he announced his intention to his brother count louis of nassau had now nothing left before him but to surrender his soldiers almost entirely french refused any longer to resist now that the king had changed his intentions and the city was surrendered the garrison being allowed to retire with their weapons the terms of the capitulation were so far respected but instead of the terms respecting the townspeople being adhered to a council of blood was set up and for many months from ten to twenty of the inhabitants were hanged burned or beheaded every day the news of the massacre of st bartholomew of the treachery of the king of france towards the inhabitants of the netherlands and of the horrible cruelties perpetrated upon the inhabitants of mechlin and other towns that had opened their gates to the prince of orange excited the most intense indignation among the people of england the queen put on mourning but was no more inclined than before to render any really efficient aid to the netherlands she allowed volunteers to pass over furnished some meagre sums of money but held aloof from any open participation in the war for if before when france was supposed to be favorable to the netherlands and hostile to spain she felt unequal to a war with the latter power still less could she hope to cope with spain when the deed of st bartholomew had reunited the two catholic monarchs captain martin married to a native of the netherlands and mixing constantly with the people in his trade was naturally ardent even beyond the majority of his countrymen in their cause and over and over again declared that were he sailing by when a sea-fight was going on between the dutch and the spaniards he would pull down his english flag hoist that of holland and join in the fray and ned as was to be expected shared to the utmost his father's feelings on the subject early in september the good venture started with a cargo for amsterdam a city that almost alone in holland adhered to the spanish cause 
Sophie Martin was pleased when she heard that this was the ship's destination, for she was very anxious as to the safety of her father and brothers, from whom she had not heard for a long time. Postage was dear, and mails irregular. Few letters were written or received by people in England, still more seldom letters sent across the sea. There would, therefore, under the ordinary circumstances, have been no cause whatever for uneasiness had years elapsed without news coming from Amsterdam, and indeed during her whole married life Sophie Martin had only received one or two letters by post from her former home, although many communications had been brought by friends of her husband's trading there. But as many weeks seldom passed without the good venture herself going into Amsterdam, for that town was one of the great trading centers of Holland, there was small occasion for letters to pass. It happened, however, that from one cause or another, eighteen months had passed since Captain Martin's business had taken him to that port, and no letter had come either by post or hand during that time. None who had friends in the Netherlands could feel assured that these must, either from their station or qualities, be safe from the storm that was sweeping over the country. The poor equally with the rich, the artisan equally with the noble, was liable to become a victim of Alva's council of blood. The net was drawn so as to catch all classes and conditions, and although it was upon the Protestants that his fury chiefly fell, the Catholics suffered too, for pretexts were always at hand upon which these could also be condemned. The Netherlands swarmed with spies and informers, and a single unguarded expression of opinion was sufficient to send a man to the block. And indeed, in a vast number of cases, private animosity was the cause of the denunciation, for any accusation could be safely made where there was no trial, and the victims were often in complete ignorance as to the nature of the supposed crime for which they were seized and dragged away to execution. When the vessel sailed, Sophie Martin gave her husband a letter to her father and brothers, begging them to follow the example of thousands of their countrymen, and to leave the land where life and property were no longer safe, and to come over to London. They would have no difficulty in procuring work there, and could establish themselves in business and do as well as they had been doing at home they had she knew money laid by in london for after the troubles began her father had sold off the houses and other property he had purchased with his savings and had transmitted the result to england by her husband who had entrusted it for investment to a leading citizen with whom he did business as this represented not only her father's accumulations but those of her brothers who worked as partners with him it amounted to a sum that in those days was regarded as considerable i feel anxious ned captain martin said as he sailed up the zuyder zee towards the city as to what has befallen your grandfather and uncles i have always made the best of the matter to your mother but i cannot conceal from myself that harm may have befallen them it is strange that no message has come to us through any of our friends trading with the town for your uncles know many of my comrades and can see their names in the shipping lists when they arrive they would have known how anxious your mother would be at the news of the devil's work that is going on here, and being always tender and thoughtful for her, would surely have sent her news of them from time to time as they had a chance. I sorely fear that something must have happened. Your uncles are prudent men, going about their work and interfering with none, but they are men, too, who speak their mind, and would not, like many, make a false show of affection when they feel none." well well we shall soon know as soon as the ship is moored and my papers are declared in order you and i will go over to vordwick and see how they are faring 
i think not that they will follow your mother's advice and sail over with us for it was but the last time i saw them that they spoke bitterly against the emigrants and said that every man who could bear arms should however great his danger wait and bide the time until there was a chance to strike for his religion and country they are sturdy men these dutchmen and not readily turned from an opinion they have taken up and although i shall do my best to back up your mother's letter by my arguments i have but small hope that i shall prevail with them in the evening they were moored alongside the quays of amsterdam at that time one of the busiest cities in europe its trade was great the wealth of its citizens immense it contained a large number of monasteries its authorities were all catholics and devoted to the cause of spain and although there were a great many well-wishers to the cause of freedom within its walls these were powerless to take action and the movement which after the capture of brill and flushing had caused almost all the towns of holland to declare for the prince of orange found no echo in amsterdam the vessel anchored outside the port and the next morning after their papers were examined and found in order she ranged up alongside the crowded tiers of shipping captain martin went on shore with ned visited the merchants to whom his cargo was consigned and told them that he should begin to unload the next day he then started with ned to walk to vordwick which lay two miles away on reaching the village they stopped suddenly the roof of the house they had so often visited was gone its walls blackened by fire after the first exclamation of surprise and regret they walked forward until opposite the ruin and stood gazing at it then captain martin stepped up to a villager who was standing at the door of his shop and asked him when did this happen what had become of the old man plomart you are his son-in-law are you not the man asked in reply i have seen you here at various times captain martin nodded the man looked round cautiously to see that none were within the sound of his voice you have not heard then he said it was a terrible business though we are growing used to it now one day it is some eight months since a party of soldiers came from amsterdam and hauled away my neighbor plomart and his three sons they were denounced as having attended the field preaching a year ago and you know what that means and the villains murdered them captain martin asked in horror-stricken tones the man nodded they were hung together next day together with gertrude the wife of the eldest brother johann was as you know unmarried elizabeth the wife of louis lay ill at the time or doubtless she would have fared the same as the rest she has gone with her two daughters to harlem where her family live all their property was of course seized and confiscated and the house burnt down for as you know they all live together now my friend i will leave you i dare not ask you in for i know not who may be watching us and to entertain even the brother-in-law of men who have been sent to the gallows might well cost a man his life in our days then captain martin's grief and passion found vent in words and he roundly cursed the spaniards and their works regardless of who might hear him then he entered the garden visited the summer-house where he had so often talked with the old man and his sons and then sat down and gave full vent to his grief ned felt almost stunned by the news being so often away at sea he had never given the fact that so long a time had elapsed since his mother had received a letter from her family much thought it had indeed been mentioned before him but knowing the disturbed state of the country it had seemed to him natural enough that his uncles should have had much to think of and trouble them and might well have no time for writing letters 
his father's words the evening before had for the first time excited a feeling of real uneasiness about them and the shock caused by the sight of the ruined house and the news that his grandfather his three uncles and one of his aunts had been murdered by the spaniards completely overwhelmed him let us be going ned his father said at last there is nothing for us to do here let us get back to our ship i am a peaceable man ned but i feel now as if i could join the beggars of the sea and go with them in slaying every spaniard who fell into their hands this will be terrible news for your mother lad it will indeed ned replied oh father i wish you would let me stay here and join the prince's bands and fight for their freedom there were english volunteers coming out to brill and flushing when we sailed from the thames and if they come to fight for holland who have no tie in blood why should not i who am dutch by my mother's side and whose relations have been murdered we will talk of it later on ned his father said you are young yet for such rough work as this and this is no common war there is no quarter given here it is a fight to the death the spaniards slaughter the protestants like wild beasts and like wild beasts they will defend themselves but if this war goes on till you have gained your full strength and sinew i will not say you nay as you say our people at home are ready to embark in a war for the cause of liberty and religion did the queen but give the word and when others fired solely by horror at the spaniards cruelty are ready to come over here and throw in their lot with them it seems to me that it will be but right that you who are half dutch and have had relatives murdered by these fiends should come over and side with the oppressed if there is fighting at sea it may be that i myself will take part with them and place the good venture at the service of the prince of orange but of that we will talk later on as also about yourself when you are eighteen you will still be full young for such work as they talked they were walking fast towards amsterdam we will go straight on board ned i will not put my foot ashore again before we sail i do not think that i could trust myself to meet a spaniard now but should draw my knife and rush upon him i have known that these things happened we have heard of these daily butcherings but it has not come home to me as now when our own friends are the victims entering the gate of the town they made their way straight down to the port and were soon on board the good venture where captain martin retired to his cabin ned felt too restless and excited to go down at present but he told the crew what had happened and the exclamations of anger among the honest sailors were loud and deep most of them had sailed with captain martin ever since he had commanded the good venture and had seen the plomarts when they had come on board whenever the vessel put in at amsterdam the fact that there was nothing to do and no steps to take to revenge the murders angered them all the more i would we had twenty ships like our own master ned one of them said that would give us four hundred men and with those we could go ashore and hang the magistrates and the councillors and all who had a hand in this foul business and set their public buildings in a flame and then fight our way back again to the port i am afraid four hundred men would not be able to do it here as they did at brill there was no spanish garrison there and here they have a regiment and though the spaniards seem to have the hearts of devils rather than men they can fight well we would take our chance the sailor replied if there was four hundred of us and the captain gave the word we would show them what english sailors could do mates wouldn't we ay that we would the others growled in a chorus the next morning the work of unloading began the sailors worked hard for as one of them said this place seems to smell of blood let's be out of it mates as soon as we can at four in the afternoon a lad of about ned's age came on board he was the son of the merchant to whom the larger part of the cargo of the good venture was consigned 
i have a letter that my father charged me to give into your hands captain martin he said that the matter was urgent and begged me to give it to you in your cabin he also told me to ask when you think your hold will be empty as he has goods for you for the return voyage we shall be well nigh empty by to-morrow night captain martin said as he led the way to his cabin in the poop the men have been working faster than usual for it generally takes us three days to unload i do not think my father cared about that the lad said when he entered the cabin it was but an excuse for my coming down here and he gave me the message before all the other clerks but methinks that the letter is the real object of my coming captain martin opened the letter thanks to his preparation for taking his place in his father's business he had learnt to read and write accomplishments by no means general among sea captains of the time it is important indeed he said as he glanced through the letter it ran as follows captain martin a friend of mine who is one of the council here has just told me that at the meeting this afternoon a denunciation was laid against you for having publicly in the street of bordwick cursed and abused his majesty the king of spain the duke of alva the spaniards and the catholic religion some were of opinion that you should at once be arrested on board your ship but others thought that it were better to wait and seize you the first time you came on shore as it might cause trouble were you taken from under the protection of the british flag on shore they urged no question could arise especially as many english have now although the two nations are at peace openly taken service under the prince of orange i have sent to tell you this though at no small risk to myself were it discovered that i had done so but as we have had dealings for many years together i think it right to warn you i may say that the counsel of those who were for waiting prevailed but if after a day or two they find that you do not come ashore i fear they will not hesitate to arrest you on your own vessel please to destroy this letter at once after you have read it and act as seems best to you under the circumstances i send this to you by my son's hand for there are spies everywhere and in these days one can trust no one i am much obliged to you young sir for bringing me this letter will you thank your father from me and say that i feel deeply indebted to him and will think over how i can best escape from this strait give him the message from me before others that i shall be empty and ready to receive goods by noon on the day after to-morrow when the lad had left captain martin called in ned and william peters his first mate and laid the case before them it is an awkward business captain martin peters said you shan't be arrested on board the good venture as long as there is a man on board can wield a cutlass but i don't know whether that would help you in the long run not at all peters we might beat off the first party that came to take me but it would not be long before they brought up a force against which we should stand no chance whatever no it is not by fighting that there is any chance of escape it is evident by this that i am safe for to-morrow they will wait at least a day to see if i go ashore which indeed they will make certain i shall do sooner or later as far as my own safety is concerned and that of ned here who as he was with me is doubtless included in the denunciation it is easy enough we have only to get into the boat after dark to muffle the oars and to row for harlem which lies but ten miles away and has declared for the prince of orange but i do not like to leave the ship for if they found us gone they might seize and declare it confiscated and although when we got back to england we might lay a complaint before the queen there would be no chance of our getting the ship or her value from the spaniards there are so many causes of complaint between the two nations that the seizure of a brig would make no difference one way or another the question is could we get her out it would be no easy matter 
peters said shaking his head that french ship that came in this afternoon has taken up a berth outside us and there would be no getting out until she moved out of the way if she were not there it might be tried though it would be difficult to do so without attracting attention as for the spanish war vessels of which there are four in the port i should not fear them if we once got our sails up for the venture can sail faster than these lubberly spaniards but they would send rowboats after us and unless the wind was strong these would speedily overhaul us well i must think it over captain martin said i should be sorry indeed to lose my ship which would be well-nigh ruin to me but if there is no other way we must make for harlem by boat the next day the work of unloading continued in the afternoon the captain of the french ship lying outside them came on board he had been in the habit of trading with holland and addressed captain martin in dutch are you likely to be lying here long he asked i want to get my vessel alongside the wharf as soon as i can for it is slow work unloading into these lighters there are one or two ships going out in the morning but i would rather have got in somewhere about this point if i could for the warehouses of minius strauss to whom my goods are consigned lie just opposite will you come down into my cabin and have a glass of wine with me captain martin said and then we can talk it over captain martin discovered without much trouble that the french captain was a huguenot and that his sympathies were all with the people of the netherlands now he said i can speak freely to you i was ashore the day before yesterday and learned that my wife's father her three brothers and one of their wives have been murdered by the spaniards well you can understand that in my grief and rage i cursed the spaniards and their doings i have learnt that some spy has denounced me and that they are only waiting for me to set foot on shore to arrest me and you know what will come after that for at present, owing to the volunteers that have come over to Brill and Flushing, the Spaniards are furious against the English. They would rather take me on shore than on board, but if they find that I do not land they will certainly come on board for me. They believe that I shall not be unloaded until noon tomorrow, and doubtlessly expect that as soon as the cargo is out I shall land to arrange for a freight to England. Therefore, until tomorrow afternoon I am safe, but no longer." now i am thinking of trying to get out quietly to-night but to do so it is necessary that you should shift your berth a ship's length one way or the other will you do this for me certainly i will with pleasure the captain replied i will give orders at once no that will never do captain martin said they are all the more easy about me because they know that as long as your ship is there i cannot get out but if they saw you shifting your berth it would strike them at once that i might be intending to slip away you must wait until it gets perfectly dark and then throw off your warps and slacken out your cable as silently as possible and let her drop down so as to leave me an easy passage as soon as it is dark i will grease all my blocks and when everything is quiet try to get her out what wind there is is from the southwest which will take us well down the zyder zee i hope you may succeed the french captain said once under sail you would be safe from their warships for you would be two or three miles away before they could manage to get up their sails the danger lies in their rowboats and galleys well well we must risk it captain martin said i shall have a boat alongside and if i find the case is desperate we will take to it and row to the shore and make our way to harlem where we should be safe ned who had been keeping a sharp lookout all day observed that two spanish officials had taken up their station on the wharf not far from the ship they appeared to have nothing to do and to be indifferent to what was going on he told his father that he thought that they were watching presently the merchant himself came down to the wharf 
he did not come on board but spoke to captain martin as he stood on the deck of the vessel so that all around could hear his words how are you getting on captain martin he asked in dutch fairly well captain martin replied i think if we push on we shall have her empty by noon to-morrow i have a cargo to go back with you you know the merchant said and i shall want to see you at the office if you will step round to-morrow after you have cleared all right mynheer you may expect me about two o'clock but you won't see me he added to himself the merchant waved his hand and walked away and a few minutes later the two officials also strolled off that has thrown dust into their eyes captain martin said and has made it safe for strauss he will pretend to be as surprised as any one when he hears i have gone End of chapter two